Hello and welcome to the Preaching Magazine podcast. This is Michael Didway. I'm editor of Preaching and your host for this podcast. And today I have the opportunity of visiting with Claiborne Lee Jr., who is the pastor of the Mount Calvary Baptist Church, which is a large congregation with two campuses in Solano County, California, which is part of the San Francisco Bay Area region. Uh, Claiborne grew up in the church. His father was the founding pastor. And then after pastoring himself in New Jersey, he was called back in 1998 to serve as the senior pastor of Mount Calvary. And under his leadership, the church has been named one of America's fastest growing churches. Uh, they've acquired 60 acres for an expanded campus. Dr. Lee earned his PhD in biblical studies at Golden Gate Baptist Seminary and now serves as an adjunct faculty member of the school, which is now known as Gateway Seminary. Claiborne is also a former vice president for the National Baptist Convention USA. Claiborne, thanks so much for taking time to visit with us today. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. Well, first of all, how has your church been doing during the pandemic? We are doing well, all things considered. Um, I am grateful that we were already broadcasting our services online and as a result of the streaming ministry that we already had when we had to make the adjustment as of the third Sunday in March, we were able to adjust and then add pieces such as Facebook Live and YouTube mm-hmm. to, uh, to our offerings for streaming. Yeah. Have you changed anything about the way you're doing your online services? Uh, we have um, trimmed some of the fat off of our service, and our services are not as long as they were in person. We normally would do a 90-minute in-person service, and uh, we've reduced that down to right about 60 minutes, no more than 75 minutes. Um, and so we've been able to to be a bit more sensitive to the competition for people's attention. Yeah. Uh, when you get into the virtual world, you don't have much time to capture, and you have to really work at maintaining people's attention. Yeah. Yeah, now here's the tough question. Once you start regathering physically, do you think that's going to impact uh, the length of your uh, in-person services? I think initially all of our churches all over the country and or the world are going to be so glad to be with one another when we finally can return to in-person worship that at least the first service will be longer than usual uh, (laughs) for most of us. But uh, we'll be able to to maintain uh, the timeliness that has been a staple for us. Yeah. When do you anticipate being able to physically regather as a congregation? I don't have a, a, a precise estimation. I am really operating based upon three principles. We have a COVID-19 reentry task force that we formed in our church made up of a cadre of uh, professionals from infectious diseases to um, different types of doctors and nurses to facility persons, educators, um, on multiple levels and the like. And I shared with them, we're going to operate based upon sovereignty, number one, science, number two, and sense, number three. Mm-hmm. 
So we're going to use good common sense. We're going to pay attention to the science, and then we're going to submit to the sovereignty of God. God is in charge of the time. And so whenever God gives us the green light and confirms it through the science, we're going to exercise sensibility to return. But until then, we're going to be good stewards of one another. And we're going to be our brother and our sister's keeper and not return before it's safe. Yeah, very good. So as you've gone through this, doing ministry during this pandemic, are there some things that you've learned during this season that you think may be of value as you do ministry after the pandemic? Um, one is that we have missed heretofore out on the greatest opportunity given us to fulfill the Great Commission. Our church is a Great Commission church. Um, our mission statement is that our mission is to lead individuals into a dynamic relationship with Jesus Christ and equip them for service to God and humanity. And while we've done that, we engage in foreign missions and we engage in evangelism and outreach. Um, we have not invested as much into the World Wide Web. Mm. And this pandemic has shown me, and I believe many of us, that we are now reaching more people globally and nationally than we ever were or could have through our in-person ministries. And even those of us that did have streaming services or television broadcasts and the like, um, we were not as intentional about global evangelism as we have become sensitized to during this season. Okay, that's interesting. Um, yeah, so that's a huge takeaway from this season for me um, in terms of how we go forward because I believe that if we return to in-person worship the same way uh, we were prior to the pandemic, then our ministries are going to be placed on an accelerated pace in their decline. Yeah. So has your preaching online different from the way that you were preaching uh, in your regular services? No and yes. Um, no in the sense that um, I seek to continue to be true to the biblical text and share it with passion and thoughtfulness and exegetical responsibility. Um, yes, in the sense that I have sought to be a bit more brief than I normally would be. Um, I'm really intentional now about trying to keep the sermon to 30 minutes, um, whereas before it would be nothing for me to preach as long as 45 minutes. Um, and just making that small adjustment. The other thing that has impacted my preaching is being mindful of the broader global context now. So we're now in uh, over 30 countries uh, whereas before we were only in maybe four. And paying attention to the broader span of humanity that may now be listening has impacted my perspective in preparation and in delivery as it relates to that kind of connectivity. Because the first rule of public speaking is to know your audience. Yep. 
uh, that that has become a greater consideration. Yeah. Well, let's go back before the pandemic and talk a little bit about your your kind of typical preaching ministry. Um, you know, what's your approach to preaching? If 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 we were to come visit your church one Sunday, you know, what would we experience as we heard you preach? Um, my approach to preaching obviously starts, you know, in the study, in my quiet time, my devotional time, and then uh, my time of deliberate preparation. And so I'm always going to begin with prayer. I'm always going to um, immediately um, read and reread and reread and reread the text, um, looking at it in its original languages, looking at it in the multiple English translations and versions that are available um, to sit with the text and, um, and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to me the sermonic idea for that particular message and begin to delve into um, the text exegetically to try to get behind the text as is sometimes stated. And I'm a proponent of um, uh, making sure that I look at uh, the socio-historical setting of the text and that I am clear on the historical critical method um, that allows you to get into the culture, understand the times, understand what was going on religiously, what is at work theologically, um, what is happening contextually with the people, the politics, um, getting to their system labor. And then after getting into the world of the text, looking for bridges that can connect our world with the world of the biblical text and um, and then to look for windows and opportunities to be able to communicate the principles and the truths of scripture to a people that are you know 20 centuries removed at the very least uh, from from the scriptural context and to seek to make some applications um, so I'm pretty much um, an expository preacher but really I don't even know if I can say that I'm an expository preacher. I, I, I would say that I'm a biblical genre preacher. Okay. okay. Um, and in, in that sense, you know, I seek to allow the genre of scripture to inform me of how it should be preached. Yeah. So that after I get through with all of my study and all of my exegesis and uh, I've engaged in the hermeneutical exercise, now it's time to put the message together. I'm paying attention the whole time to the genre of scripture and allowing it to inform me um, with an expository uh, bent. Yeah. As you're preparing the sermon, do you develop a manuscript, uh, notes? What you know? What's your approach there? Um, I do. I write down as much as I can in terms of my notes uh, from my my study, and um, and we'll seek to to draft a manuscript. Sometimes I'll preach from the manuscript. Sometimes I will simply um, etch out the outline and the subpoints. You know, I may write out the introduction so that I can make sure that I establish the foundation for the message. Um, but I'm not consistently a manuscript preacher. Um, I'm probably more of a 
white lion preacher than anything else. Do you typically preach in series? I have preached in series. I like to preach in series. There are seasons when I'm in between, which I dislike greatly. <laughs> um, if my preaching plan somehow has been interrupted or gone awry, uh, but yes, I do like to preach in series. Um, for me, I'm not a topical preacher. I'm, I'm a, I'm a exegetical, uh, preacher. So I'm going to go through a book or through portions of a book of scripture, um, in order to craft a series. So right now I'm in a series, um, on the 23rd Psalm, um, you know, I'd been in a series that was a little bit more topical, but nevertheless textual in the onset of COVID-19, where I just was led to various scriptures of hope and uh, strength to encourage the congregation. Um, you know, I might preach in Jeremiah for a while, a series out of that, or First Corinthians, or Ephesians, or uh, one of the other epistles. Um, Genesis, and, you know, yeah, but basically trying to find books of the Bible um, as I'm led by the Spirit that have uh, something to say in the particular season that I believe my congregation is in. Yeah. So think about your typical week of sermon preparation as you move from Sunday to Sunday. What does that typical week look like? Um, at one time it was pretty standard um, as a pastor and as a professor and as a father and as a, a denominational leader and uh, many other things, um, it has changed slightly over the years. So one thing that is consistent is that by Sunday night, I'm already thinking thinking about the text and or reading the text for the next week uh, when I'm in a series. And um, you know, Monday I'm going to relax and take my day off, but I'm still going to be thinking through the text and thinking about the text uh, and glancing at the text. Um, Tuesday I'm going to begin doing more of the exegetical work and just kind of chipping away at it slowly um, and working towards Wednesday being able to engage in any additional word studies and the like. Um, I'm more of a biblical illustrator than I am a life illustrator. And so a lot of my illustrations and preaching come from scripture uh, with applicability to our context. Um, but I will you know, work at trying to find other illustrations that can be used, whether it's from the news, a movie, um, something that happened during the course of the day, a story that I heard, something of that nature. So they buy, you know, Friday, I'm, I'm really writing it all out. I'm taking everything that I've written down in my notes, and all of these, are, all of this is note-taking. I'm, I'm compiling all of this data and information so that by Friday, you know, I'm writing a full manuscript um, to make sure I'm clear on, um, on what it is that God would have me to say. And I subscribe to the Hegelian dialectical method, which I uh, learned over the years through uh, Dr. Charles E. Booth, who um, learned it from Dr. Samuel DeWitt Proctor. Mm -hmm. So for me, that, that method really works and helps me to find clarity in the homiletical exercise. Describe that, met that method a little bit. Um, 
basically it, it deals with uh, identifying the thesis of the message, then identifying the antithesis of the message, determining the relevant question of the message, and then reaching a synthesis for the message. And so, you know, that thesis is going to help provide, you know, clarity about what the sermon is in a sentence, in a statement, in a nutshell. Um, what are you really after? What do you want people to walk away with from the sermon? It's what, you know, some uh, homiletists would call your proposition. And then the antithesis is the counter-argument, you know. Sometimes the counter-argument is in the passage, it's in the context of the scripture. Sometimes it is in the context of the lives of those to whom you're preaching. Um, but it provides an inroad to tension that needs to be grappled with, um, with the goal of raising a question that can be resolved in the synthesis. Clement, what do you enjoy most about preaching? Oh, wow. That's a great question. I enjoy being used by God to impact people's lives for time and eternity. That's pretty good. So by, by contrast, what do you find to be the greatest challenge in preaching? Um, clarity, hmm. in a word. Um, Dr. William Augustus Jones, Jr., um, from the Bethany Baptist Church in New York, who's passed away now, was my mentor pastor. And um, he taught me and said to preachers on many occasions that a mist in the pulpit is a fog in the pew. <laughs> and so for me, uh, one of the things that I earnestly seek from God about preaching that is not always easy to, to come to is clarity. Um, even once I'm, even when I'm clear about the text, I want to be clear about what God wants me to say on that occasion as it relates to the text. Scripture is inexhaustible. And so you can, you can come to a text and you can find multiple homolytical ideas that can be espoused. But I always want to find clarity as it relates to the specific thing that God wants me to say to his people on that occasion. And even when I'm out in my itinerant ministry or lecturing or whatever the case may be, my prayer is always for clarity. Because if I'm clear that this is what God would have me to say, I am more comfortable and confident that God will bless it. When I feel like I'm unclear and the choice is up to me, I become exceptionally scared uh, because I'm a handler of the holy. And I don't take that lightly. Uh, people's lives are at stake when you stand to preach the gospel. And so the preacher does not have the luxury of determining on his or her own 
what they should preach if they take preaching seriously. And so clarity, even when people ask me, you know, how can I pray for you? You know, I will ask them, pray for my clarity. Once I'm clear, then I know that I have um, the green light, that illumination is going to flow. The Holy Spirit is going to open up everything that I need to know and allow me to weave together the right pieces from the textual tapestry. Very good. Let me ask you one last question, Clayman. If you could offer some counsel to a young preacher, something you've learned through the years, what counsel would you give? First of all, prioritize your devotional time. A preacher's power in the pulpit emerges out of his or her devotional time with God in private. And so guard that time, prioritize that time to spend with God so that you are growing as a Christian and not totally and exclusively focused on growing as a Christian communicator. Hmm. That being said, another piece of advice that I would give is preach and trust the word. Preach the Bible. You don't have to be sensational. You don't need gimmicks. All you need to do is have a fidelity to the scriptures and the Bible will preach itself, but we have to trust it. We have to trust the efficacy of the word of God, that the word of God can do far more than we ever could. And so I would say to make sure you preach the word, preach the Bible and trust it to be sufficient. Um, another thing that I would say to a young preacher is um, do your homework, simply put. Um, take exegesis seriously. Learn how to exegete scripture. Learn how to mine the text for its gold and its diamonds. Learn all of the tools and the disciplines that are necessary for you to have a responsible understanding of Scripture. And then another thing I would say is to think critically. Think critically. Be a critical thinker. Think about what the atheist or the agnostic would have to say to your proposition. Um, think about what that family would have to say who just had to bury their child. Think about what God's response is biblically to social unrest and to societal evils. Um, but to think clearly and critically and soberly and then finally, read, and read as broadly as possible. Um, there are always subjects that we don't care for, that we're not inclined to, 
but read as much as you can, as broadly as you can from multiple disciplines and allow multiple disciplines to inform your thinking and your crafting of the word that God has given to you. And then be true to yourself finally. That is wise counsel. Be be incarnational is is the way I would really prefer to put it. Be incarnational. Yeah. Good. Good. Been talking today with Claybon Lee uh, from Mount Calvary Baptist Church, Solana County, California. Uh, Claybon, thanks so much for visiting with us today. Thank you very much, Michael. I appreciate the opportunity to share.